you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Welcome to summer. You know, you would never know it here in Florida with the little cool spell we had last week. Uh, you'd never, never know that we were in the middle of summer. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I'm just waiting any minute just to kind of walk across the parking lot and just melt right there. You know, just, just totally melt. But it's cool. It's cool. Glad you guys are here. Summer is going to get crazy. Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne kind of, kind of broke away for just a weekend because uh, it's going to get wild around here. How many of you know it's going to get wild around here this summer? How many of you like wild? Come on, somebody. You like wild. I kind of like wild, too. It's kind of fun. So it's going to get a little wild around here this summer, so they're off for just a couple of days. And uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Pastor Ron. I'm glad to be here with you today, and I'm glad that you're here. It is going to get crazy this summer. Enjoy your summer and be safe, and we'll have a good time together. Uh, by the way, Pastor wanted me to thank you for doing such a great job of receiving David Gibbs last week. How many of you enjoyed David Gibbs last week? Get a chance to hear him. Wow, wow. Uh, a master litigator that did some... Uh, uh, wonderful things in the course of his career, and we had the privilege of having lunch with him. He told us some, some behind-the-scenes story of a landmark case in the United States that he was involved in, and uh, told us some things that probably will kind of touch a little bit on what I'm going to talk about here in just a minute, of just the world that we live in. But uh, main thing is, thank you so much for receiving David Gibbs and being so kind to him. He's a wonderful man, really, really helps take care of us uh, on the legal front, and we know that we can rely on him, and we're really thankful for that. So again, thank you. So here's what I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to sort of stay right in line with the things that pastor's been talking about over the past few weeks concerning our thought life, our mind, how the enemy wants to attack our mind. And you know, because of my educational background, everything about our mind, the study of our mind, and kind of what goes through in our mind, our feelings, it's a real big deal to me. And so I, I really enjoy what pastor's been teaching about and talking about. And he brought a word a couple of weeks ago that if you missed it, I really want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. The title of it was, Who's Got Your Ear? Fantastic word about how the enemy wants to attack our mind and our ear and, and our, our thought process. And so I'm going to sort of pick up uh, right there a little bit as I talk about this, a stable mind in an unstable world, a stable mind in an unstable world. You know, I, I, uh, I read an article in Psychology Today about two months ago, and sociologists are saying that we are now living in a time that they're calling the Jello era. The Jello era. Uh, can I go ahead and, there we go, the Jello era. They're saying that it's an era or a time to where everything looks bright, it looks cheery, it's very comfortable, it's very pretty, it's very attractive, it's the Jello era. It looks, looks really, really nice until you touch it. <laughs> and then it kind of starts to shake. And they're saying that that's the era that we're living in. It looks nice and bright and cheery, but then just a little bit closer to it, it kind of shakes a little bit. And we know everything around us in the world is shaking. Everything we come in contact with, everything that we see on television, it's kind of shaking. And so when I look at what's going on in the world, I see that shaking going on. But here's the key that we got to remember, guys. I don't walk by what I see. I walk by faith, not by sight. 
And because I walk by faith and not by sight, I may see things that are shaking and seem to be unfolding a little bit, but I walk by my faith. People have talked to me before and they said, Pastor Ron, what's the opposite of faith? Or I'll ask them, what is the opposite of faith? And a lot of times the answer I get, well, the opposite of faith is fear, not according to the word. According to the word, the opposite of faith is sight and being driven by what I see and what I see in the natural. But how many of you like me are thankful I don't walk and based on what I see in the natural, I walk based on what I know in the supernatural by the power of God. So I don't walk by sight. I don't walk by what I see because I see things kind of shaking. But if I walk by faith, here's the promise that I have in Isaiah 33, 6. Look at this. If I walk by faith and not by sight, I have this promise that God keeps my days stable and secure. Salvation, wisdom, and knowledge are in great surplus. When I walk by faith and not by sight, then I know that God is keeping my days stable in an unstable world. He's keeping my days very stable and secure when I walk by faith and not by sight. Now, if I'm not walking by faith, and I'm not walking by sight, and I'm giving in to the oppression or the attack of the enemy, kind of what does that do? Well, I came across a quote about two weeks ago by Chris Valentine, and when I read it, I thought to myself, that just fits so well. Let me share it with the people that I love dearly here at The Rock and kind of read this along with me. When I walk by faith, I'm understanding that God's keeping my days stable and secure. But when I walk with an oppressed mind, look at what he says. Living with an oppressed mind takes up valuable time that could be used to change the world. My past pain will not dictate my future victories. Come on, say amen, somebody. Are you, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. My past pain will not dictate my future victories. I was born to win, equipped to shape history, empowered. Look at this last statement empowered to extend the borders of the kingdom and redeemed to display the unreasonable love of my king to a desperate and lost world. Yeah, well, some of you are clapping. Go ahead. Come on. And that's what happens in our lives when we walk by faith and not by sight. When I don't, I'm walking with an oppressed mind and it takes up real, real, real valuable time. But when I shake that thing off and I walk in the redemption of God, what it does is it causes me to understand my past pain is not going to dictate my future victory. I'm going to walk in the power of God and be released from that oppression of the mind. Now, that's what Paul was trying to do to Thessalonica. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 in just a little bit. But when I really study the culture of the Thessalonians, and I study the culture of the Latuaeans, what I see is something that's real, real, real similar. I see a time and I see characteristics that really don't change a whole lot. When I look at the, the life that Paul was having to face, having to deal with, it's the same kind of life that we're dealing with. Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you, ever guys, have you guys ever watched a, a, a channel on cable television called Lifetime Television? Have you ever seen that thing? Channel 24. That doesn't mean I watch it. I just happen to know because I'm going to tell you a little story about it. I'm flipping through the channels a few weeks ago, and I'm going through the channels. Where's Andy Griffith? Where's Andy Griffith? Where's Andy Griffith? 
and I'm going through the channels, and I stop on the little uh, the context there that tells me all the things that are going on. Channel 24, Lifetime, Lifetime Television. Everybody say Lifetime. <laughs> lifetime Television. Here's the lineup of Lifetime Television. The Cheerleader Murders. Who wants to kill a cheerleader? I mean, cheerleaders are happy. Happy people create endorphins. Endorphins are, are create happy people. Happy people don't kill people. What movie is that? I'm proud of you. The cheerleader murders. The seatbelt psychic. Lifetime television. The seatbelt cycle. 24 to life. Kid killers. Last week, my favorite one, Psycho Granny. Now, some of us have had one of those, but that doesn't mean that she made it to television. That's lifetime television. That's the culture in the world that we kind of live in and we have to sort of put up with. Well, Paul's culture and Paul's world really wasn't a whole lot different than what he had to deal with. Here was Paul's opposition in Thessalonica, pagan religions, Dionysius, Athena, Thor, they ruled, the, the mythology of those gods and goddesses ruled in the area of Macedonia at the time. The sexual appetite and the sexual culture of Thessalonica and this particular area made us look like Mayberry. And literally it was so out of hand that the people that had the most liberality in the sexual culture of the day was what you and I would call the clergy. They had a, a literally no holds barred kind of situation. And that's what Paul was dealing with in Thessalonica. Another thing he had to deal with was people that were opposed to repentance and holiness. What are you talking about? You got to ask for forgiveness. What do you mean you got to repent? Why? What's, you're, you're a really good person. There's not a need to repent and ask for forgiveness. Today we call it moral relativism. It's the same thing going on. Holiness, why do you have to live that kind of life? If it feels good to you and you don't feel bad about it, you're probably okay. Look at the third thing. They called the believers of the day, the Christians of the day, intolerant. Same thing you and I are dealing with today as we deal with the intolerance of society. What are you talking about? Jesus is the only way. There's got to be all kinds of ways to get to heaven. What do you mean a, a woman doesn't have the right to choose? Come on, give me a break. You're going to take away one of her main freedoms and her right to choose? What do you mean marriage is between a man or a woman? No, there's all kinds of ways to be together in a relationship. And if you don't believe that or think that, you're called intolerant. Well, Paul was kind of dealing with the same thing. And I want to show you in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. So we're going to read this. This is a great scripture, guys. I really, really wish I had time to kind of slow down a little bit and go through a lot of the things that are here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, but I just don't quite have that kind of time. But I want to encourage you, when you do have some time, go back and read it and just break it down because it gives a great, great illustration of how to have a stable mind in an unstable world. So let's read. I'll read. You follow along. Here we go. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. 
We sent Timothy, who was our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know, watch this now, for you know quite well that we are destined for those trials. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you are going to be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way, sorry about that, in some way, the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us. Come on, let me ask you a question, guys. How many of you want someone to walk away from you and say, I always have pleasant memories of them? Somebody walking away from you said, man, I enjoyed being with that guy. I really had a good time being with her. They were so encouraging. They were so edifying. They were so building up in their faith. That's what I want said about me. When I walk away from someone, they say, man, I really, really like being around him or her. Have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live. Since you are standing firm in the Lord, how can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Man, don't you like that? All the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you. So Paul gives a great description in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 about how to have a stable mind in a very unstable world. And here's what he says, three points. Number one, Paul's direction to a stable mind in an unstable world. Number one, here's what they did. To have a stable mind in a very unstable world, here's what they did. They pursued biblical teaching. Look at verse two. I sent Timothy to you to strengthen you and encourage you in your faith. Here's the key idea, guys. Let me ask you this question. Who or what? Is God sending your way to strengthen you in your faith? Who or what? Who is God using? What is God using to strengthen you in your faith and build you up in your faith? God is going to bring somebody. He's going to bring something into your path to strengthen you in your faith. I call it corporate destiny. You have a destiny, but you are not going to get there on your own. Somebody's going to come in your life. Something's going to come in your life. Some event's going to come in your life, and it's going to be something that's sent to you to strengthen you in your faith. God's strategy is real simple, guys. Biblical teaching is God's strategy to build, strengthen, and encourage. I got that, Pastor Ron, but what's the problem here? Well, here's the problem. God's pattern is to strengthen and encourage us in the faith, but many people stop short of a divine encounter because they're satisfied with good theology. I, 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 I'm, I'm right on my way to an encounter with God, but 
you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty good in my theology. You know, look, guys, I'm not knocking theology. I believe in theology. I believe in sound doctrine. I believe in the understanding of the Word. But I just don't want to know theology. I just don't want to know about God. I want to know God. I want to know the one that redeemed me from the pit. I don't want to know that he has the ability to redeem me from the pit. I want to experience redemption from the pit. I want to be able to understand that, yes, he pulled me out of that miry clay and know about him absolutely, but I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection. And when I do that, I don't stop short of an encounter just because I have good theology. Yay, good theology. Yay, even more the fact that I have an intimate relationship with the Father. Come on, how many of you like me? You were in that miry clay. Come on, somebody, don't get holy on me now. You were in that miry clay. I know you were there because I visited with you while you were there. We were in that miry clay, and God reached down with that long arm of love and pulled us out and redeemed our life from the pit, and everybody said, thank God. Boy, I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. Come on, somebody. So I, he redeemed me from the pit. So I got all this opportunity. Now, now, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with having an opportunity to know and learn. Here's the problem, though. We are no longer in danger of being inadequately informed, but with familiarity and fatigue, we don't pay attention. We're, we're not in any danger of not having enough information. If I want a Bible study, if I want a message, if I want to learn something about the Word, all I got to do is check the Google, man. Come on, somebody. That's all I got to do. It's right there. I have the ability to get a, a message from some great preacher. Yay. Cool. But I also need to understand that even though I'm not inadequately informed, if I'm not careful with familiarity and fatigue, I've been doing this. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like Pastor Ron? Well, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't stop there intentionally. I, I, I actually had a point. Turns out it was pointless. How many of you are like Pastor Ron, and you find yourself from time to time walking in here, listen to me now, you find yourself walking in here, and you hear Pastor George, or Pastor Suzanne, or Pastor Jamie, or Pastor Hector, or Pastor Nathan, any of us stand up here and bring a word, and we are guilty of saying this, that's a great word, but I've heard that before. And we're guilty of saying, yeah, I've heard that before, when in reality what the anointing of God is wanting to do is speak a freshness of that same word you've heard before, but say it in a fresh way. A fresh way. Familiarity. Yeah, I've heard that before. Fatigue. I've been doing this so long, Pastor Ron. Thank God. Keep on doing it, baby, because it gets better and better in the sweet by and by. So keep doing it. Yeah, I know you've been doing it a long time. But hang in there and stay faithful to what God wants you to stay faithful to. I had someone years ago, wasn't here, so relax. Had a conversation with someone years ago, and they had left the church that Barbara and I were pastoring. I bumped into them, and they said, you know, Pastor Ron, we really love you, and we just appreciate what you were doing, but, you know, we weren't just, we just weren't getting fed. Quack, 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 quack. We just weren't getting fed. I said, so when did you stop bringing your fork? Look, the Word of God's the Word of God, guys. 
The Word of God is the Word of God. Every bit of it from jot and tittle is anointed. The Word of God is the Word of God. It doesn't mean if it's me. It doesn't matter if it's Pastor Hector. The Word of God is the Word of God. When I come to receive, God's going to make sure that I get something. And so what happens in your life and my life is I find myself having the opportunity to pursue biblical teaching. So step number one to having a stable mind in an unstable world is pursue biblical teaching. Number two, they prepared. They got ready. They didn't sit back and wait. They prepared for opposition. Verse four, when we were with you, we kept telling you you would be persecuted, and it turned out that way as you know. Here's the principle you got to get. Wise people know that trials aren't accidents, they are appointments. Man, if I walk in wisdom, if I walk in faith, if I have my spiritual antennas up, I'm not surprised by trial, adversity, or difficult circumstances. Why? I know that a trial is not an accident, just showed up. Look, guys, it's on God's calendar. He knows that you need to be stretched a little bit in, ooh, my, one of my favorite verses, in my distress, you have enlarged me. Yeah. Oh, man, come on, say amen to that. In my distress, you made me better. In my distress, you have enlarged me. We understand that trials aren't accidents. They're actually appointments that allow us to grow in God. But what do I got to do? Okay, it's coming down the road, PR. I know it's on the way. It's probably just over the horizon. What do I do? I prepare to get ready for that opposition. So when that opposition comes my way, I shake it off. I shake it off and I keep moving in victory. I step aside from it and I keep moving in victory. I go by it with the power and the anointing of God and I keep moving in victory. I prepare for that opposition. I want to show you something that uh, illustrates what I'm talking about. There was a gentleman that uh, when he was very, very young, stuttered so bad, he did not have the ability to put two congruent sentences together. That's how bad his stuttering problem was. He had a dream. And in that dream was to do something that was pretty big. But everybody he came in contact with said, you're crazy for having that kind of dream. With your stuttering problem, there's no way you're ever going to be able to do it. Opposition. So what did he do? Because of a sharp, wise, caring father, his father helped him prepare for that opposition. He had a dream, and everyone told him, your dream's not going to work. Well, let me show you the outcome of that. Watch this. My father came home, she said, Slick, which was my daddy's nickname, your boy been up at the school being a smart aleck. Now, I already know I'm going to get a whipping for this. She said, uh, tell him what you wrote on your paper. And I said, I want to be on TV. And my father said, well, what's wrong with that? And she said, well, he being a smart aleck and putting something like that that's unbelievable on the paper. So my father said, Bill, how come the boy can't put on the paper he want to be on TV? So they were starting to get into an argument, so I got sent to my room which I knew what that meant. That means go in your room, get ready. We're going to get this whooping, right? So I go in my room, and after having a discussion, my father came in the room. He said, all right, this is what I want you to do. What does she want you to put on your paper? I said, I don't know, Daddy, like a basketball player. What all the rest of the kids wrote? He said, well, put that on the paper. Take that to school tomorrow and give it to her. Take your paper and put it in your drawer. Every morning when you get up, read your paper. 
And every night before you go to bed, read your paper. That's your paper. What he told me was a principle of success, that if you write it down and envision it, anything you see in your mind, you can hold in your hand. He knew that. And so he gave that to me. After that, every year when the teacher was living, I used to send her a TV for Christmas because I wanted her to see me. She saw me one year and she said, boy, you send me all these TV from wherever you are and you don't understand. I got too many TV. I have to get these TVs away sometime. I know, it's all right though. And I kept that paper. And that little boy with the stuttering problem is on TV seven days a week. Yeah, I'm on TV. All the time. You dig? Yeah, go ahead. Put your hands together and say, thank God. Yeah, a young man that prepared for opposition. Thank God there was a wise, caring father that told him, write the vision down and make it plain so that you can run with it. And that's what he did. He wrote that vision down. He didn't care what the other one said. He wrote his vision down and he put it away so that he could look at it day by day by day and run with that vision that he had written down. You know, I wanted kind of to take out that section where Steve Harvey is talking about buying his teacher a TV every Christmas. I kind of wanted to take it out because I thought, well, you know, maybe that's a little arrogant. You know, that's, that's kind of crazy. Huh? I don't know if that really settles well with me. And then I stopped and thought, hold on. That's the power of the word. Bless those that curse you. Bless those that speak against you. And that's what he was doing. Yeah, maybe there'd been a little bit of fun attitude behind it. I'm going to give him a little bit of a break. But at the same time, I'm going to speak good of those that speak against me. Because that gives me the ability to have a stable mind. Look, guys, I can't control everything that comes into my life. But I can control how big I make it. I can't control the things that I come against, but I can control what kind of effect it has on me. Because here's the deal. The key to true life isn't about command and control, but rather submission and surrender. To get back on track, go ahead and say amen to that. I'll say it better than that. Say amen to that. The key to life is not what I can command or what I can control. Come on, guys. How many of you are like Pastor Ron? You got a little bit of that control side of you. It's right there. We know it's there. But the key to life is not what I can mold, what I can shape. My bull halsey full steam ahead. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my ship. No, I'm not. Jesus is. And so when I understand that, it's not about command and control, but rather uh, submission and surrender. So I'm going to pursue biblical teaching. I'm going to prepare for opposition. And number three, I'm going to prioritize relationship corporate destiny. Look at verse 6. Timothy told us that you have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. See, here's the cool thing about the word, guys. The standard of the Bible is not friendship. Nothing wrong with friendship, but that's not the standard of the Bible. The standard of the word of God is not friendship, it's family. See, what we're doing here, guys, is a whole lot bigger than we go to the same church. 
It's a whole lot bigger than, yeah, he's my friend. Yeah, she's my friend. It's a whole lot bigger than that. What we're doing right here is a lot bigger than friendship, as wonderful as friendship is. What we're doing right here is this. We are many members, but we are still the same body. That we are fighting in God's army together. We're fighting in the kingdom of God together. We're serving in the kingdom of God together. You know what the Word says? The Word says that if you're a believer and I'm a believer, I am more related to you than my actual natural family that is not saved. That's what the Word of God says. I'm more related to you if you're a believer and I'm a believer. You know what that means? I'm coming to your family reunion and eating your fried chicken. (laughs) We're family, man. As wonderful as friendship is, It's a whole lot bigger than that. The standard of the Bible is not friendship, it's family. Hey, uh, did you see the guy on the Today Show this week that got interviewed by Al Roker? Did you see that guy? True story, just this week. I got to share it because it fits so well. This guy is standing there on the Today Show with a big sign, 50th wedding anniversary. So Al Roker is going down the line, sees the sign, and he stops. He says, 50th wedding anniversary. That is so cool. How'd you do it? He said, on my 25th wedding anniversary, I took her to China. On my 50th, I'm going back and getting her. (laughs) Okay, that's not how it works, Bubba. I saw that and I, I had to kind of laugh, but I thought, you know, now, now understand something. It was a joke. She was actually standing next to him. So it was a joke, but a pretty good one. But that's not how it works. The standard of God's word is not friendship. It's family. I'm not knocking friendship. I love the fact that you're my friend and you got my back because you're my friend, but I can rely on the fact that you got my back because we're family. I can trust that. Hey, a a few weeks ago, uh, I went to Disney World and and, and survived. I made it. Me and Barbara went to Disney World with Blake and Jasmine and the boys. And we went to Disney World and we rode the ride. The ride that the minute I say the first word, you're going to, I'm going to torture you and you're going to sing this song the rest of the day. We rode the ride. It's I'm going to call you about six o'clock tonight, and you're going to answer the phone. Hey, PR, it's a small world. We're going to go straight into it. So we're riding. It's a small world, and we're getting towards the end. And as we get towards the end. Me and Barbara and Levi, my, my twin, sitting between me. And we're having a good time riding through it. And Barbara looks down and he asks Levi, Levi, did you like that? And Levi said, yeah, I really like that. And she said, well, why did you like that? As Levi is looking around at all the faces and the nations and the ethnic groups and the people and all the movements, she said, why did you like that? And he kind of paused for a minute and he said, it reminds me of heaven. Now, I've been writing It's a Small World since 1965. I've never thought that. 
I've had many other thoughts that I can't say from the platform. But I've never thought that. But I did think to myself, out of this beautiful little heart came a tremendous revelation. And it's not just about acquaintance. It's not just about nations. It's about the family of God. It's about the fact that we are many, many members from different ethnic groups, but we are one body serving a commanding king. Yeah, go ahead. Here's what you got to get as I wrap up. Biblical conviction producing, produces rather transforming love and lasting loyalty. Biblical conviction produces a transforming love, a transforming love and lasting loyalty. In Thessalonica, here's the outcome of Thessalonica. In a time that was great division, separation, warring, arguing, during a time of great division, their love was absolutely unmistakable. Verse 9, how can we thank God enough for the joy that we receive when we are with you? How can I thank God enough for the privilege of being with you and walking this thing called our spiritual journey out together? Let me ask you a question and I'm done. As I understand this very unstable world that has the ability to have multiple, multiple effects on me and you, the question I want to ask myself is I deal with this culture that we described as I deal with all the ideology that we've talked about, as I deal with the philosophy of man, as I deal with the humanism that we deal with in culture, all the things that are shaking, jello shaking, as I deal with all that, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want my life to look like? A stable life or an unstable life? A solid life or a jello life? Let me ask you this question. Am I going to use my life as an excuse or a testimony? Am I going to say, look at what's going on in my life? Man, how has all this happened to me? Look at what's taken place. Or am I going to say, look at what God has done? Because literally, guys, culture is looking for stability. We live in an unstable world. Culture is looking for stability. And they're looking around, and they're looking around, and they're looking around, and they're looking around in this unstable world. Why? Because a double-minded man, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And that's the culture we're living in, double-mindedness. And they're unstable in all of their ways. So they're looking around in this unstable world, and they're saying, where is stability? Well, where they're looking for it is in you and I. They're looking for it in you and I. Why? Because an unstable mind looks like the world and makes up an excuse. A stable mind looks to Jesus and produces a testimony. And when that happens, they're seeing a stability that they want as a part of their life. A stable mind, solid mind that we're getting hit from all sides in an unstable world, but we're solid, pressing toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I so thank you today for this wonderful body of believers that make up the rock of Gainesville. 
And Father, I so thank you for the opportunity to stand with them and share the word and encourage them in their faith. And I do thank you, Lord, that we understand that everything around us is shaken. The word's very clear. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken. But we also understand that when we are in you, we're in faith, we're in obedience, that things around us will shake and we can stand with our feet on solid ground. Father, I also thank you that we have the ability to have a testimony in an unstable world. But Father, I also want to pray over those that may be in this service today that are living in that unstable world and their life is unstable because they haven't made you Savior and Lord. So I'm asking you right now, Father, just speak to their heart right where they are. Touch their heart. Minister to their heart. Out of your grace and compassion, just speak to them gently, Lord, and say that stability of your life becomes rock solid when you accept me as Lord and Savior. So I pray over those that may be in here today and just declare, or maybe watching on the internet, I declare that they have the ability to make a choice. And in making that choice of accepting you, they start that journey of a very stable, solid life. Things around them will still shake, but they can have their feet on solid ground. And that's, Lord, what I want to pray for them right now. So every head bow, every eye closed, you're, you're in the building today and you're, you're here and you say, Pastor Ron, I, I'm tired of the excuses. Tired of the excuses. I want my life to be a testimony. I want my life to be one of those people that when people walk away from me, they say, what a joy it was to be around them. And I want that to happen because Jesus is the foundation of my life. And right now, he is not. So I want to make a decision for Christ. I want to make a decision for the Lord right now and just, just say, Father, forgive me of everything I've been doing. Put my feet on that solid ground so I can walk toward my destiny in, future, in the future with hope and grace. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ron, I, I'm tired of the excuse I want my life to be a testimony. I want it to begin right now by making a decision for Christ and asking him to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you please pray for me, Pastor Ron? Slip your hand up right where you are. Yes. 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 Anybody else? Yes. Amen. Thank God. Going to wait just a second. Yes, right over here on, on my left against the wall. Yes, thank you. You can put it down after you've held it up. Thank the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, so here's what I do. Head bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to lead you into prayer. Bible says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, you shall be saved. And so I'm going to lead you along with everybody else in this building this morning. We're going to pray together. But as you pray, I want you to pray out loud, mean it from your heart, and watch God do a phenomenal transforming work in your life. So as I lead you in prayer, along with everybody in this room, pray out loud, believing in faith. So let's pray together, guys. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name, and I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins. I've raised my hand, I've made a declaration, and I want that declaration to be that I'm tired of the excuses. I'm tired of the past pain. I don't want the past pain to dictate my future victory. I'm done with that. And I'm accepting you now, Jesus, as my Savior and as my Lord.
And I'm asking you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, put my feet on a new path, and direct my way. I ask you, Lord, to lead me. And I trust you to do so. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big ovation of praise and thank him for what he's doing. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.